0: Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey, I'm Tyler. And this is KC. And you're listening to... The
1: Element Podcast. We are some tired, boys.
2: What's happening, all my woods people? It's a beautiful morning here in northeast Texas. I'm actually really just saying it's a beautiful morning because I'm sitting on the property that I just purchased, all almost 30 acres of it. Listening to your chickens, listening to chickens and the wood bees and the summer tanagers and everything else. Um, but it's actually warming up real quick, Casey.
1: It is. Uh, we noted that just before we pressed record here, and decided to go ahead and expedite the recording process of this here podcast because it's uh, what eight forty five, and it's already just about blistering out here. Yeah. It's uh. We're luckily
2: we're sitting in the shade. It would be real brutal in the sun right now. But
1: yeah. um, we got to make this about a forty five minute
2: podcast too, because <laughs> it's that shade is uh disappearing. Is diminishing. It's going away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We we. Um, the humidity is actually probably the big killer right now. man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. it has been just, uh, you know, we talk about this a lot. We've asked uh, some of our friends in the past this that uh, we can rib kind of from the north. But they like to talk temperatures in the winter that include wind chill. Mm-hmm. And we don't really ever talk a whole lot about temperatures up here that include heat index. Which, yeah, because it sounds real silly when you, I tell people, oh, it's 117 today. Yeah, you know. Yeah, people are gonna be like, "Are you in Arizona?" Yeah, it's like, no, actually, it's it's uh, hotter than Arizona. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. um, You know,
1: something that I've learned through doing construction for a big part of my life is that uh, really the like nine or eight thirty to eleven is usually hotter than the afternoon, even though the the outside temperature doesn't reflect that because the humidity burns off in the afternoon. Yeah. And yeah, the sun can get pretty brutal, but um, you know, this time of day, there's usually no wind. Which is the case right now. Yes. And it's humid and it just feels like you are breathing inside of a bag. You know?
2: <laughs> we uh, we talked about this and I don't know if it's gonna it would be any worse, but we talked about <clears> possibly <throat> going over to that little travel trailer over there <laughs> and podcasting to lose weight. Um, I think we could do it almost just as sonicast. effectively right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sonicast. We were we do truck cast most of the time, but we were thinking about doing some sonicast. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, with that said, we're we're probably still I don't know. We might decide to start talking in heat indexes. The thing is, man, a heat index is like, um, like still around in the afternoon. I don't know what it is, but even if you feel like the humidity burns off, there's something. Yeah, there. sure. Like you look at the temperature and it's like, feels like 115. And it's like, gum it, man. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been pretty bad lately and it hasn't been like super, super hot,
1: really. This isn't anything <laughs> like the 2000s. No. The 2000s were absolutely. I don't know how people survived. You know, we were in school, so we didn't really go out during the day that much. In the summertime, we did, you know, uh, but...
2: Dude, you want to talk about making us tough? Play some football
1: in the oh, 2000s? Yeah. Dude, the grass was brown the whole time. It the was whole just, time? It just smelt like a... It smelt like... Hay dust. Yeah, like hot hay dust out there. <laughs> and, you, <laughs>
2: and when you landed on it, because it had been cut oh. two months ago, it was basically like just...
1: And Like, Bahia needles going They didn't too. water it, <clears throat> you know, especially practice fields. So, the ground was literally as hard as rocks. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that we had quite a few people with, like, broken stuff that year and yep. a lot of injuries, and I think that had a lot to do with it. You Probably. Because there was no <clears throat> cush.
0: Probably. You, know, you go for
1: spring football, that Bermuda grass is so thick you can't even touch the dirt underneath it. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It feels nice. And yep. then, oh, golly, dude, two dude. days around August 15th, you know. The only
2: uh, thing that survived, man – grass-wise was stickers yeah you know it's like that gum it man we had to do bear crawls and stuff i'm like coach <laughs> i'm not doing this man <laughs> like i will bend over and run with my head right off the ground as fast as i can but i'm not putting my hands down on this <laughs> um,
1: that's funny man. so
2: anyway we've uh we are here in the morning doing this podcast a day late <laughs> uh which happens sometimes more than
1: a dollar short <laughs> yes <laughs> um
2: we spent all yesterday pretty much doing some business stuff and that included a majority of wrapping up the map scout challenge stuff i don't know we've been talking about this since february or something maybe um when we decided to just go ahead and make it happen and so you guys have been listening to it for a long time and i know you're like where is this thing um you know, when you podcast, you just talk about stuff that's going on. And we've mm-hmm. been filming this thing since February that's pretty right. much. So uh, if you follow our Instagram, you saw that I, I posted a story probably recently that uh, we were we were at 700 gigs, and that was before yesterday's filming mm-hmm. session. So, yeah,
1: and we had an 11-hour workday yesterday. Yeah. Now not all of that was spent doing map scout stuff not all that was even spent being super productive but
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, it was a lot of production it was a productive though. day yeah, yeah for
1: sure but uh it's been neat to kind of see how this thing has morphed a little bit since we first started mm-hmm. and you know and uh you know onyx decided to hop on and really be a big supporter of it too so mm-hmm. that that helps and uh allows us to go and do and uh go check out new and neat stuff that we would, normally wouldn't have been able to go do you mm-hmm. know so yeah. uh, that's why we ended up in the midwest some and and doing all that thing but we have a release date august 4th yep be ready be it's ready. about to go down uh yep lots of uh
2: lots of cool stuff man i i pretty much have the first video up uh all completely edited and it's gonna upload um, obviously august 4th that is kentucky yeah so why are we doing cool kentucky first well, that's because uh, we made some false statements in Kentucky. It's not <laughs> the first season east of the Mississippi to open up Florida. Oh, they don't count. That's what I thought, too. But the thing is, there's going to be some Florida dude on there that's like, bro. That's true.
1: Actually, who's one of our, our fans that we talk to a lot from Florida. Which guy is it? I can't um, remember. It's uh,
2: Chris Derrick. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, uh,
2: no, Mike Massey, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, But did you see that the QDMA uh, reposted like a Florida grasslands thing or something that showed a bachelor buck? Go check out the QDMA's page and give them a follow because big things happen in the deer conservation world here all back. The QDA and the NDA all merged, so you get (laughs) minds like – uh, Nick Penizzato and and Paw Paul and all of them down there. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> He's gonna be mad at me. <laughs> Lindsey Thomas Jr. Brian Murphy. Brian Murphy. All these smart dudes are all gonna be just working together. That's cool. But what I was trying to say is that um, there was like a Florida, South Florida bachelor group eating or browsing along the edge of a drainage canal. I'm sure there were peacock bass in it right there. Mm. But there was like some nice bucks, really. And it was a bachelor group of like 15. It was cool, man. Dude, that is cool. Yeah, it was neat. Were they like hundred pounds? I'll put that on the story today. <laughs> I'll go see if they posted it on Instagram. I'll put That's it on cool. the story, man. Yeah. Dude,
2: you talk about casting
1: blast, man. Dude, how cool would that be? <laughs> <Baby>. <laughs> they might have an open season down there right now. They might. Don't they have like January? I mean, July. Season? There's
2: like a July rut or something, right? We talked about that in the yeah. Lindsay
1: uh, Thomas yeah, that Lindsay podcast. that was a good episode. I'll link that. What below was it called? Too. Um, what what in the rut? <laughs> <laughs> If you know, you know. Um, (laughs) know, (laughs) That's right. That's right. Oh man. Otherwise, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know that you don't know. (laughs) Um, So, man, those chickens don't smell that great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yummies. So So, yeah, August. uh, Yeah, August fourth. Put that on your calendars. I'm sure that if you follow us on any platforms, you will be reminded between now and then, and the day of. Uh, but, guys, we worked real hard on this thing, and we appreciate the support and shares, even if you don't mind sharing it when it comes out. Where are you pointing yeah, at it? My over? lens cap still said <laughs> <laughs> I is. forgot to get it. <laughs>
2: I'll guarantee you I forget it before I leave.
1: Uh, I'll look at it and uh,
2: remember. In case he's not very good at Frisbee throwing anymore. <laughs> Probably was at one point. I right? was
1: a disc golf champion at one point in yeah, time, but yeah. you had to grow up sooner or later, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did, <laughs> can
2: not Can't be uh, stuck between high school and college forever. That's right. Um, so... <laughs> So today, we've just got kind of a random, uh, I don't like this word, but I'm going to use it, smorgasbord. Mm, of, uh, I don't mind that
1: word too much. I,
2: it's not my favorite. It's kind of... Uh, random
1: bothers me more than smorgasbord does. <laughs> okay. You remember in high school, everybody was like, it's "So you're so random. That was like a, the thing people I think said. think I was in
2: college at that point.
1: No, you're only one year above me in school. I know. Well, I don't know, man. Emory might it's have just... because you got held back. Did y'all miss... <laughs> That's rude. Uh did Emory miss out on the emo phase or was no there, we had y'all had emails? no dude
2: we were emo capital of Texas yeah. <laughs> I don't know I <laughs> don't <about> all that <laughs> we are the meth capital of Texas <laughs> yeah that's so, true
1: I mean there's a lot of sad people yeah
2: um, emeth we had, we had some emos for sure yeah. I mean, we didn't have people like too many people like painting their face white. did you have nothing,
1: mainstream but, emos too like were popular kids kind of like just barely emo yeah me yeah me too I mean I didn't I like, didn't dress it but dude I listened to that music for oh sure. yeah I, I listened to it right like y'all know me I don't listen to music I searched Emo Mix" on YouTube <laughs> the other day, and I've been listening to some good old—I mean, that's "My Chemical uh, Romance" and whatnot. Yeah,
2: dude, that was that was just pop music dude, back there then. There's some masterpieces in some of that stuff, dude. My Chemical Romance was awesome. Who else? Was, uh, uh, Coheed and Cambria. You oh, listen to them?
1: Yeah, yeah Coheed dude. and Cambria. We oh. had a local band from Sulphur Springs. What was their name? Fair to Midland. Fair to Midland. That's right. They were right.
2: Very popular. Yeah. Uh, so it's weird because they were like. If they'd have stayed in it a couple more years, Mm -hmm. they, I mean, they were getting play on 102 on the edge, which is like the station of North Texas for rock. And they were all over
1: it. Yeah. They were doing big things. They were playing overseas and stuff. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I used to work at the gas station in Silver Springs and I cooked food. Um, They'd come in at like 9.50 and order nachos and burgers (laughs) and donuts and stuff, you know, Mm and. Red-eyed, oh you yeah, know? yeah, been out all night. Yeah, yep.
2: going out all night. Yeah, uh, them dudes. Uh, from what I understand, which you know, I played my my guys in my band are from Sulphur, and so you know they kind of just being musicians. They grew up.
1: They're a little just, younger than me. They, they yeah. They thought those yep, guys
2: were the baddest things ever, mm-hmm. and they and they're they are super talented. Uh, but I think uh, some of those guys are a little bit weird too. So. You get into
1: some stuff sometimes. It seems they
2: couldn't. uh, They couldn't hold it together. Yeah. No, that was that was. uh, I mean, that uh, emo stuff was like the. That was just pop music when we were growing up. Yeah.
1: I was. uh, I've been talking to my youth kids, and this is a music podcast, by the way, guys. But (laughs) 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 Um, I was. I was talking to my youth kids the other day, uh, and I asked a bunch of them. I was like, "So, what are like some new songs that are new artists that come out like right now that you like?" They couldn't name any of them. No, I don't think that there's good music right now. Well, and I know that sounds like a foggy thing to say, but like, really, well, I, but they, they were saying like country bands and stuff, you yeah. know, and that's fine. I like country music kind of, but like, there's a, there's there's always been a Michael Jackson or right. or In Sync or something, yeah. you know. That's and there's always, a few of those. I mean, Bruno's still kind of the MJ right now, you know. But yeah, like, but he's not the popular guy. He's playing like concerts for 20 somethings that remember you know when yeah, he was cool and yeah. he's playing like you know really if you play a if you play the super bowl that means you're a really popular has-been you know there's never like a current you know justin timberlake when did maybe he do, when did he do the super bowl it was like him and janet jackson after he wasn't I mean, not everybody's the who and plays it at 75 years old That's true <laughs> <laughs> that was weird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: um no I, I i agree with you actually um uh, colton smith my buddy um that plays bass for my band was uh posted on facebook last night similar posts like and it's sad to see like all these kids right now are just listening to pop music which is essentially what is on the radio Mm -hmm. the popular music and like they don't have a clue who people are from five or ten years ago the thing is when we were growing up like playing instruments was cool Mm -hmm. and i don't think that's that cool right now
1: have we gotten to the point we talk about this some with podcasts and uh if you're listening to us, you probably listen to other podcasts too. No one listens to one. Um, if you do, if you're our, if we're your one and only, we love oh, you. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Reach
2: out to us. Steve. Yeah,
1: tell us. Um, but uh, you, you've talked about this a lot. Like, that in the hunting space and just in general, the barrier to entry to podcast is really, really low. It costs you about a hundred bucks, and you're a podcaster all of a sudden, and you can put out an episode a day if you want to, mm-hmm. right? So. It's all about quality of content and uh, you know originality, which um, today we have neither of, I think. <laughs> <but laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, well, maybe. You'll tell me. But uh, <laughs> um, either way, I kind of wonder if the music industry is getting into that. Like for y'all, variant to entry was a huge thing. Yeah. But now, but like.
2: Waning still. I yeah. mean, we still had digital recording equipment. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be on tape. Uh-huh. You had to be good enough to go in and cut it and not have to move stuff around very much. You yeah. not have to cut the tape and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And us getting into it, uh, we had digital stuff, you know. And I was able to kind of, through a friend, put together a home studio and do our first album. And it sounds really bad. <laughs> you know, like, it's bad, you know. But, like, it was a start, you know. Yeah. And the thing is, people don't, people don't know what good music is a lot of times. People aren't music snobs. They just want to hear something that relates to them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, if you start posting on facebook and it looks decent people will think that you're doing good things and they're going to like your music a lot of times it's Mm -hmm. crazy man crazy some of the bad music that can come out right now but you're right like (laughs) the barrier to entry entry for music is is the same deal like people can buy a mac for a couple thousand or three thousand which they'll probably have
1: anyways you can finance it and it's multi-purpose
2: exactly you can go to college and get you know deals on them or whatever but um Either way, people can buy a laptop and basically create some pretty awesome master... I mean, we have a friend that we played with recently that opened up for us that uh, has produced his stuff, and it sounds like... I mean, it could be on the radio. Like, yeah. it's legit, you know what, what I mean? What was that
1: kind of pseudo-Christian band, Al City? Wasn't that it? You know who I'm talking about? Oh,
2: I know, I remember
1: that. He was yeah. uh, uh, like Fireflies or something like that was the name of his song. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure he did vocals and everything else was done on his laptop Laptop, yeah
2: yeah Yeah, i mean it's and it's crazy like it's so like the appreciation for musicianship has definitely kind of gone to the wayside um and just the style uh the the ability to like break into the industry through dig through just digital straight up not even digital recording but digital producing of beats and Mm -hmm. guitars and pianos and synths and all that kind of stuff has like
1: pretty much synth 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 yep synthesizations Synthesizations, yeah. Um, so, I that's you said all sense like uh, having putting sense. deer and pins, and just taking and gathering <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: wild <laughs> sense. Yeah. Um, so, no, but that that's uh, that's created the opportunity for like thousands or more, maybe you know, to to kind of just put their music out there, right? And I think that it also affects the consumer in the way, like your youth kids, um, they they don't know any artists right now because nobody gives two cents about an artist, and that's... true. So you don't have to buy albums. C-E-N-T-S. You
1: uh, get on you Spotify, You well, you get on Spotify, you find one singles. person you like, and then it just tells you who the next person you like is. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you yeah, don't really exactly. have to care who it is. You yeah. know? It's just like, oh, this song is kind of like that song, you're going to listen to it, too. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. So, like, singles
2: are a big deal, not albums, mm-hmm. and that creates people that just know songs and not artists too much, you know? Yeah. so... It's kind of it kind of stinks, man. Yeah, but, you know, well, like barely. we deal with it with the podcast t- deal too, like you said, man. I mean, anybody anybody can record an album in their room on a Mac mm-hmm. after work at night for a few hours at a time and take several months. And just the same way, anybody can get their best friend when they're you know say twenty and don't have a whole lot of responsibilities except for a job maybe, and just go into their back room every evening. Have a brew and podcast about deer, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, there's a bunch of them out there. It doesn't make make them all good. Some yeah. of them are
1: cool, you yeah. know. But. And there's a lot of a lot of really good dudes who their their podcast, eh, you know, yeah. whatever. I don't, yeah, not criticize anybody, but you know, it's just kind of how it goes.
2: But for one, you, at least, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a consumer, <laughs> yeah. you get bored pretty easy. You Me, know? yeah, yeah, with a podcast sure.
1: at least. Uh, yeah, for sure. But one of the things that, um, speaking of barrier to entry. Uh, One of the things that we've been doing uh, a lot is answering social media messages pertaining to hunting Texas public land, which is really kind of where the element started and still has its roots. You know, if you've seen our our T-shirt design, the roots of that tree... Yeah. Are in yeah. Texas public land. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and you can tell by the East Texas 8 that is underneath that <laughs> yeah, tree. That's right. <laughs> we mean... specifically, uh Tyler brought this to my attention a few years back, and now I'm a full firm believer, but um when you see a logo and the deer skull in that logo, because it's always a skull, mm-hmm. you know. Can't, yeah. can't be a live Yeah, it can't be a live deer. It's got to be a skull. A dead head. Yeah. It scores 280. <laughs> Then you realize, you're like, hey, this, what is that? What is that animal right yeah. there, you know? It's a so, red stag. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the deer on our T-shirt, public land, Texas legal, 13 yep. and a half inches wide, 8.3-year-old, Something I would be real happy to shoot on Texas on the land. thin side on the thin yeah <laughs> yeah he, we cut we we when we were looking at trail camera pictures a lot no matter what state we're in we say oh that's an East Texas looking deer right there for <laughs> yep. sure because <Yep. laughs> you have them everywhere yeah it's it's all a bell curve and it just so happens here in the eastern part of the state that peak of the bell curve is definitely towards the thin and short time side. <laughs> yeah. um, but you can still find it like for instance, uh, I had a couple deer on my property last year, you did too, that were really quality bucks. Mm-hmm. But um anyways, back to the barrier to entry thing. Um there's we get a lot of messages and guys if you have messaged us, we appreciate that. I try to get to them as much as I can. And one of the things that I try to do is is not give you. Wow, that's great, guys. Good job. Thanks for following. Like, I really try to answer messages mm-hmm. uh, with good at that, with man. good. Well, thanks. Uh, with with good answers, you know. Like, I want to make sure I give you uh, what you're looking for, and I also don't want to portray myself as an expert, but more as just of a guy who's done some stuff, and maybe what my experiences are can help you. With all that being said, um, people are real interested in hunting public land and it's not like a super high barrier to entry if you don't let it be. And that's kind of a funny thing because, um, I was talking about this yesterday with our friend, Eric Whiting, who's been on the elk hunting podcast. Um, like one of the reasons that I think that hunting is kind of suffering as far as like number of licenses sold is because people do think that you got to have like the, lightest stand ever the lightest sticks possible ever the fanciest camo system that's ever been invented and all that just to go out there and do it and you ain't even got to have a Weatherby. no (laughs) you don't (laughs) (laughs) you ain't even got to have a gun (laughs) you know like and that's the other deal is like people think that you gotta go out and buy new stuff and all that and that's just not the case man and people also think that you need to start out with deer and that's not the case Mm. you know what we talk about a lot is the hog hunting thing on texas public land because it's so accessible there's so many pigs out there to to shoot at lots of times of the year so Mm -hmm. you know i I don't know um just i guess as a word of encouragement if that's you and you're trying to figure out how to do the public land thing just go do it man it's 48 bucks for the permit i don't think that's going to go up it doesn't seem like they ever changed the price for that it's been there a long time yeah um and a hunting license um You know, if you're like me, you spend the extra money, buy a super combo because you do fish some and it's worth it. And then you get a bunch of stamps with that too. And then all you got to buy is a federal duck stamp. I don't usually do that just because I don't duck hunt that much. Um, But if you feel like supporting conservation in that way, it's a good way to do it too. But either way, you're talking at like $200 on the top end that it takes to go out and just start hunting, you know? You know,
2: and I'm going to have you kind of talk a little bit about like what it takes to what it takes to start hunting I guess but like for me um this morning actually was looking through a Facebook group that you and I are part of public hunting group you know and saw
1: some good knives posts
2: on there no I didn't that's uh, that crazy <laughs> that I didn't though. um but there was a uh there was a dude that was like uh I don't know probably like 40 year old kind of guy mm-hmm. um and he was like just seemed real proud of his um the stuff that he shot and he just kind of was like, almost similar deal, like encouraging deal. Like, he was like, I shoot, uh, you know, it's amazing what you see when you go way back in. Here's some of the stuff that I've shot on public land mm-hmm. in Texas. You know, it's been good to me. Public land's been good to me kind of thing. I didn't see it as really an arrogant post or nothing. He's just yeah. kind of proud of the stuff that he's shot. It's, it's
1: like, July. Let's talk about exactly. something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we're doing right
2: now. Uh, so he, um, he posted a bunch of pictures. I don't know. There was like, maybe like 10 or 12. And. It was pretty much all does. I may mean, have been one small buck and hogs. hmm And uh, all of them that he had shot, you know, or whatever. Um, and he have his, like, gun, his AR or whatever, you know, he had kind of with him there and, and uh, on the deer or whatever and take a picture of it. And so he had said, like, crazy what you see when you go way back in. He said, like, does, mature bucks, hogs, snakes. He posted some cottonmouth pictures. Oh, that's why you liked it. Yeah. Well, so anyway— he, he I guess he said mature bucks in the post or something. Mm-hmm. And, dude, people just, like, started raging. Oh, man. They were like, I don't see any mature bucks in there. Every time I go to Colorado, I kill big bulls or whatever. It's like, what? are you kidding? <laughs> what are you saying right now, you know? It kind of was disheartening because I think it was the same group recently had a guy reach out that was like, okay, y'all, I hate to admit this, but I just can't. I'm not a good hunter. Can yeah. somebody mentor me, please? And, like, everybody come to, came to the rescue on that guy. You yeah. know? It was good. But this was apparently the people that didn't speak up on that post spoke up on this one
1: <laughs> and were just raging this guess dude it was, just matters the time of the well, day. I was like, dang, man, this
2: guy, like, and he just looked like a guy that kind of just, you know, wouldn't mean harm or nothing, yeah. you know, in his picks or whatever. And mm-hmm. so I just I felt so bad for him, man. But, like, you know, that's, I guess I'm making the point that, like, if you want to get a rifle and go walking through a big, big patch of timber real slow into the wind... Man, you can kill stuff. You yeah. know what I mean, and that's and that's cool. And I like that. That I like that guy's post. Um, if you want to, um, if you want to go on a little higher quality hunt, talk about like what you might what you might need to do as far as public land hunting goes in Texas.
1: And you mean just like a uh... higher quality,
2: as in like you know more game or uh, possibly bigger deer, less less hunting pressure. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. um like obviously what
1: steps, steps to take to find that kind yeah of
2: you can find walk-in but like there are other ways to do that you know
1: as far as like draw hunts and that kind of thing i see what you're saying yeah so right now uh texas has opened up their draw hunts for um application time uh which seemed a little early this year which is yeah, nice it did. Uh, i think it might have been a couple weeks earlier i don't know for sure but uh still texas is way i wish they would do it like in may as soon as the turkey hunts wrap up you know but they they kind of do things a little bit weird i guess i don't know if it's weird or not but um well there are definitely some weird things we'll cover all of it but um in general right now through like october they kind of sequence through all these draws um and you do everything from deer turkey exotics all the stuff you can hunt in texas even there's some squirrel ones Mm -hmm. you know uh and uh, they're all kind of different levels or whatever. But then, like, you don't get to go on your turkey hunt until, you know, April or May or whatever. It's a while yet. You know, I kind of wish that they would separate that out a little bit. But well, um, also, instead of drawing your tag in June or July,
2: like most Western states and having several months to prepare for it, you yeah. might draw your tag in September and you got
1: an October hunt. It's yeah, like, exactly. Well,
2: I can't take off work four weeks out, you know? I
1: know. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it's like. You know, you, you uh, and they're not, weekend hunts either which is strange Mm -hmm. some of them are but most of them are midweek hunts which i kind of get from the standpoint of like the wildlife biologist side of things if you have general day use on your wma you know people who are non-hunters it's a lot easier to shut down your place during the week uh but at the same time man like how many of y'all out there are weekend hunters you know i I know it's got to be a bunch of you i was for a very long time until we Really got rolling with the element stuff, and to an extent, I still am a little bit of a weekend hunter. It's like I have to plan around weekends and try to incorporate, the, incorporate that into our hunts. You know, um, you know, I'm blessed with a youth ministry job that kind of uh, flips that a little bit. You know, uh, ministers work more on the weekends than during yeah. the week. Well, that's you know? your but, thing. Is yeah. like
2: Monday and Tuesday might be your weekend yeah you know exactly I mean? so you're still kind of yeah working towards that I guess. yeah
1: but for the most people work on monday to friday mm-hmm. you know uh, or uh, if you don't you know you're you're an outlier and that's cool too but uh it kind of makes it difficult but we were going to talk about the positives of, of this <laughs> the good stuff let's go with that okay so the draw hunts there actually are draw statistics out there that you can see uh you can also see success rates yeah. and you can see how many people most apply. of the time most of the time, sometimes
2: it's weird. Well, like you I can go click be- on something on a hunt or something, and they just won't have, they just won't put a success
1: rate. It's or something either like because that. it's bad or it's like a brand new hunt or something like that, or they didn't get the data. Like, I think some of these places, like every WMA, is managed differently, and maybe yeah,
2: by he, different biologists. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, so like a certain biologist may be a new guy or something and mm-hmm. didn't know that he needed to report yeah. his. Or they might have had a
1: change in hands at that time and that information got lost or something. You yeah. know? But for the most part, you can see that. And the most depressing of those will, will be how many applicants there were. So, <laughs> yeah. um, guys, it does benefit to uh, accumulate points in Texas, um, but you can draw on your first year. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so don't think that you can't put in for stuff. Um, but you'll look on there and you, you can see which hunts are going to be the most difficult to draw. I'm not going to really talk about specific hunts too much because I don't want to you know highlight some and make it harder than it already is for people. We're already doing that on the Map Scout channel. That's Challenge. right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, there's some new ones out there. There's some really cool opportunities for exotics. Um, mm-hmm. What I like about some of the exotic hunts is that um, they're somewhat outside the normal hunting seasons, and that interests me a lot because... Um, I really don't care to go shoot or draw to shoot an axis doe November 18th. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because i got some other things I need to be taken care of. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and then the 19th of anniversary, so there's yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, February 4th, hey, now we're talking. You yeah, know, That extends sure. my hunting season <laughs> with some really good meat, and a lot of those exotic hunts have pretty good odds as far as uh, – um, What's the word like kill statistics? Like your, mm-hmm. your your odds of killing something's real good. Yeah, and, like hunters
2: to kill ratio. Yeah, yep. exactly. Clippers. Like
1: and usually they give you a percentage <coughs> or whatever. But uh, so those are the cool things to look at. Um, Texas pronghorn is what it is. The you one,
2: you know, the one thing you won't get <clears throat> are like true odds from in a lot of states you don't. But like it's kind of <clears throat> a little bit frustrating because uh, there's not a whole lot of data for like what. Uh, you pretty much have hunter the number of applicants and then the number of tags mm-hmm. to get to your basic odds. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you've got like 13 points or say, you know, there's 2,000 people that applied for the hunt and 100 of them have over 10 points, then there's technically more points in the bucket. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like um, you won't really know like, you know, it's it's still hard to it's it's still random draws uh-huh. from what I understand, and I've literally called the department to ask them about all of this, and you can't really talk to somebody who understands it. Yeah, they'll tell you. So yeah.
1: one of the strange things that it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around with this stuff too is on the on the points and everything is that say let's take Colorado for instance because it's the the western state I understand the most. You have elk points, deer points, moose points, yada yada yada, all from there on, and. Those points can be applied toward anything in that species. It's not how it works in Texas. You have uh, mule deer points, mule deer gun yeah, points, yeah, exactly. They're Mule an
2: archery points. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, Either they
1: divide it by specific species and method of take. Yeah. So, like, if you apply for such and such whitetail antlered buck rifle points, that's your whitetail antlered buck rifle point that you gain that year mm-hmm. if you want whitetail antlerless points which they have um you have to apply for one of those hunts as well to accumulate a point you can't apply for a point either you have to apply and if you get drawn you know that's your hunt yeah and, exactly yeah and that's you lose your points last if, you, year. if you turn down yeah.
2: yeah um so this is also something uh to kind of take note of but i'm pretty sure and correct me if i'm wrong but you can, you can have, say you have three points for gun whitetail. Mm-hmm. You can put in for pretty much as many gun whitetail hunts as you want, but yes. you're still only going to gain one point mm-hmm. that year if you don't draw any of them. Yeah, But if you draw any
1: of them, then you lose all your points. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. So Exactly. And it's, it's complicated, and I wish that they would make it more streamlined, but when you think about that, I think it gives you more opportunity. Yeah, I do too. Because in Colorado, you can only... You can apply for, it's really just first choices about it, right. you know, but you can apply for up to three choices, but really your first choice is the only one that matters. As a non-resident. Yeah, least, as a non-resident, yeah. yeah. So, you really only get to say, I want to hunt this one unit, mm-hmm. where in Texas, you can say, I want to hunt these 17 things, yeah. and maybe you'll draw one of them or whatever, yeah. but when you do that, say you got to watch out because some of them are kind of easy to draw. yeah, that's exactly right And you burn your points on that easier thing and you never get yeah. to go on the- you're hunting spikes
2: yeah and you like you say, yeah, you're you know the good hunt is going to take 15 years and mm-hmm. it's like man probably never gonna get that if you don't accrue some points, you know so yeah
1: and there's something too where like if you don't apply, in consecutive years, you lose your points?
2: Yeah, um, I think that that's right. I can't remember exactly what the amount of years is, mm-hmm. but I lost points.
1: But pretty much, uh, I think I spend $27 every year because it's $3 per application, um, and that gets me all the points that I want. I think you you do the alligator thing, which I don't mess mm-hmm. around with too much, Yeah. Um, which I might have given you a spotlight on your alligator. Sorry, but no, um, that's good. I
2: don't care. But, I mean, there's there's a bunch of people. who for usually, usually it. it's a specialized
1: spend, deal. You know, yeah, usually you spend up end up spending a couple more dollars than me. Some, yeah, I'm like way. in
2: the 30s or something usually. Yeah. and I don't, you know, there's some there's some like ten dollar applications that you can put in for that are like super mm. hunts or whatever.
1: And now this is something too that uh, oh we'll get to that in a second, okay. but I want to mention sure. something real quick before we get there. Uh, if you're listening to us and you're not from Texas. Guess what? We're one Same of the odds. few states that your odds aren't different and your cost isn't different, at least for this stuff. Like, yeah. I think it costs you more to get an in-state license, but it's yep. still like $200-something. It's not that much, right? Yeah, it's right? pretty cheap license, yeah. I think. And that gets you a bunch of tags. Mm-hmm. It's not just a tag. So, yeah. um, not to <laughs> not to just mess ourselves over here, but if you're out of state and you do want to come hunt some exotics or a whitetail in Texas or something, like, it's a pretty good out-of-state option mm-hmm. to start accumulating points in, for yeah, sure. For sure, and I mean, it, to me, to me, I see it as
2: um, there are some pretty good hunts in Texas that are public that are public draw hunts, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't say like to me if I was going to travel to hunt somewhere. Mm-hmm um, just because I wanted to go shoot, a, have a chance at a big deer, I wouldn't go to Texas to yeah. hunt, draw hunts, you know what I mean? Cause so, dude, some people tough. like the mystique of Texas, but that's the thing. Yeah. I was going to say, like, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'll just, yeah, that's what I was saying is that it's just, it's the mystique, like you said, it's a good word for it. Um, yeah. and also like some people just have goals, like I'd well, like sh- to kill a deer in every state or something yeah. like that. You know, you want
1: to kill a Texanus whitetail. Yeah, exactly. Know? And you got to go to south texas to do it or yeah whatever. i would like
2: to hunt the brush country you yeah. know there's stuff that you can do
1: for go sure go down there and rattle like larry Washoon. yeah you know, get your ghost blind out and just shoot them with a pistol you yeah. know gum uh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah the culture's cool you know, yeah, and uh, it's a it's a cool thing to experience. If you've never
2: had a taco from Texas, then that's worth coming the whole right. way for anyway. That's you know? right, so.
1: man. Uh, <laughs> we checked our Kyle Bennett box, made him happy today. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there's there's some there's some cool opportunity there. One thing I would advise is do your research on these units you're going to apply for, and I don't want to discourage anybody from doing what they want to do, but personally. I would never burn points on a unit that has general deer hunting options. hmm uh-huh. Like, there's a lot of units out there, a lot of WMAs that have draw hunts, but the rest of the year people get to hunt it. Like, say, yeah. like, they have rifle draw hunts, but it's bow hunting all season long. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Guys, if you don't know that much about it, you, that place gets raged. It gets raged. Raged. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it's not it's not worth it. Yeah. It is not worth burning your points on to do that. I so agree. just do your research on which units. Uh, Unless
2: you're a local guy,
1: yeah, you know, information. You, you, you just information. You've got some yeah. good
2: information, or just say you're a local guy that doesn't care, just wants to shoot a doe this year and doesn't have a place, mm-hmm. and you just you don't want to travel halfway across the state. I understand that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like get your get you that rifle tag and go shoot a doe with the rifle mm-hmm. it'll be you know you'll still have a good chance at that but as far as like shooting a
1: 13 inch wide buck or wider on a hunt like that man you're gonna have to get so lucky what else is interesting too is some of these have different regulations than the state mandated regulation that mm-hmm. they can that's true. That's so true so some places it's a 14 inch wide buck i know that's crazy dude. Like, <laughs> what? what's the point we're <laughs> yeah.
2: gonna let one inch be the difference that's here, right and you know? talk
1: about sweating bullets man pretty mm-hmm. much the thing is is you need to look for wide deer at that yep. point in time you know and Man, East Texas eights sometimes
2: get they get wide. Sometimes, sometimes they don't. Yeah, I'm just saying, like an East Texas eight can can get wide. We may be kind of getting rid of that gene, though. You know what I mean?
1: Mm. Like two I and three year old bl- wide buck is getting oh, shot. Yeah, he's getting smoked for you know know what I mean? sure. <clears throat> yeah, that's I, I, an interesting thing. Um, we'll talk more about genetics some another time, maybe with somebody who knows a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, a strange concept, but. It is. Uh, that's the general Texas draw hunts, mm-hmm. right? And um, you've got, yeah. I, I I won't go down the species list. We'll put a link below to all all this stuff. But there's also like some special hunts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with like e postcards, mm-hmm. which are the ten dollars ones you were <coughs> talking about. Usually, uh, e po-
2: postcards, postcards oh, that's right, are free. Postcards are free. Yeah, that's right. And there's a couple of good e postcard hunts. Yeah. Some of them. Some of them I think are kind
1: of hit or miss, but then there's some that are. Free some to... are free to go on too. But we need to mention this. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, need to mention. On the uh, um, the general draw or whatever they call it, I don't know Texas draw hunts. The hunts we just
2: talked about. Yeah, all the much. ones
1: stuff we just talked about. It will cost you eighty to one hundred and thirty dollars when you show up to go on that hunt. Yeah. So on top of your license, it will cost you more, resident or non-resident. So usually that'll be listed. However, it doesn't you're buying burn. A tag. Yeah, it doesn't burn your tags. So yep. You get a tag
2: when you go there. So if you draw a hunt that say you get to shoot a buck and a doe on that hunt, you pay 130 bucks. You get those two tags, and then you get your other five tags. So you can shoot seven deer that year if you yeah. want to. You know, yeah, so exactly. It's it's uh it's not bad if you're a guy that wants to fill the freezer that way. It's kind of bad if you're a guy that doesn't just shoot everything all year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, or
1: doesn't have a lot of money and doesn't want to spend that extra money. So just yeah. be aware of that inherent cost whenever you go to do one of these hunts. I say that because e-postcard hunts, some of those are free to apply and some are free to go on mm-hmm. as well because some of them aren't whitetail. Like there's, I think there's a squirrel hunt on e-postcard that might be kind of fun to do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's a different place and not a lot of people get to go hunt or yeah. whatever, you know, so it's kind of, kind of a neat thing. Uh, there's actually some really good hunts on e-post, mm-hmm. e-postcard, but I think that the odds aren't that great. Yeah. But why would you not put in for them, sure. right? Because it's free, free. <laughs> yeah. and it's a chance to go, you know, shoot an elk in Texas or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, or, or just have a good waterfowl hunt, or yeah, there's some good deer hunts. You but, know, and so. I think on ePostcard there's some of those combo hunts, and they're like, uh, uh I think you're right, like the duck and deer or something like that, mm-hmm. or like quail and pheasant, pheasant and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. and some of those ePostcard hunts, I think, will be a little bit more facilitated, especially with the bird hunts. Like, I think you're going to go hunting with maybe a WMA manager or something, like with the ducks and stuff. They're going to kind of, you know, take you to a blind, and you're all going to hunt or whatever. Yeah, that's another
2: thing you need to watch for on these hunts is you need to look at how the hunt is run. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if you're just like a, if you're just anti, like if you're so hardcore at the DIY thing that you don't want to do it any other way, Mm -hmm. uh, there are some hunts that are very much like, run for you and yeah you ha- You can't go anywhere else they're gonna put you in a signed blind and they're gonna tell you you can't shoot anything less than a 270 and they're
1: gonna yeah and they're going to drive you to and from said blind yeah yeah there's also some hunts that you have to have a boat to get to which yeah. is real weird
2: there's some yeah that's some crazy stuff um, man
1: uh, the best thing well i'm not gonna say the best thing the thing that i look for is compartment hunts yeah where you get say this 400 acres is yours you know and and that's kind kind of of do what you want there pretty much yeah that's that's
2: that's that's, that's a pretty fun hunt for sure it also uh can be intimidating if you're a guy that doesn't get to hunt much and don't you know you don't uh there's a deer in the road down there you see that's a little spotted fawn um anyway yeah if you're a guy that doesn't get to hunt much then you might want somebody to kind of be like hey here's the blind Shoot something if you want to, if mm-hmm. it comes out. I mean, it's fun too to shoot things. We talked about that Yes, <laughs> it is. And one of the
1: things um, you'll find is, like, especially on some of the really high end, well, high ends a weird word, but um, I, we'll better just quality. Use it. Yeah, better quality exotic hunts will be the assigned blind hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, if I think that's a little trade out, you know, with, yeah, it's assigned blind, but where else are you going to go where you can shoot a sandbar? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that. That's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. And a lot of those assigned blind hunts will allow baiting, which is kind of interesting, too. Mm-hmm. And in Texas, is a bait state, uh, I don't care what you think about it. It's legal here. Mm-hmm. So if everybody else is doing it, then you might as well do it. But they usually have like an alpha toxin Thing you got to worry about with your corn and stuff mm-hmm. like that so you got to keep that in mind too yeah, as well about but, a high quality corn that's right <laughs> I like the um, high quality corn too old
2: another thing i would uh i would mention to just be be cautious of is is that um like post draw uh expense of the 130 bucks or so because mm-hmm. um don't just assume that's on big game because I believe there's a squirrel hunt. It's like 130. dollars think he may hunt. have done
1: away with that, but for at least one year, for sure, that <laughs> dude, was the
2: case. Dude, people were like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Yeah. man? So you gotta, you gotta, you know, just make sure you know, make sure you do your research on mm-hmm. on that stuff, so you know.
1: Okay, so that's we kind of covered a couple things there, but the e postcard hunts, just check those out. They're they're inexpensive or free, or free the e postcards are to put in for. Uh, I think used to why it's called well, it was called postcard hunts originally. You had to, like, fill out a thing and send it in to be mm-hmm. able to go into it. Well, now everything's digital, especially in the time of Rona. So um, mm-hmm. there are, I guess, special hunts is what they call the $10 ones to put in for. Super hunts, I think. Well, super hunts like are a different deal, too. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I don't know everything about I don't, I don't about know this. either. We're not looking at a computer right now. We're looking at chickens. So, um, <laughs> uh, but anyways, there's some $10 ones that are super high quality that uh, I think one of the big things with the $10 ones is that... Um, you may be the only person hunting that place whenever mm-hmm. you get to go do it, which sounds real cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, dude. But one of the things you got to keep in mind in Texas, too, <coughs> is it's a giant state. There will be some travel involved if you do draw one of these. And sometimes your travel is way, way, way out there. You're talking like 10 hours, man. Yeah. Get the map out when you start applying for these things. And, you know, if you see like Black Gap, know that like <laughs> you are in the black hole of texas okay like (laughs) it is way way out there um so keep keep that in mind too and then there's the super hunts which i think are different than those ten dollar ones i don't know for sure but like you can there's uh like six or seven eight of these where it's like aren't they raffle so you can buy
2: as many uh, many as you want i can't remember sorry guys we're not super versed on this
1: yeah once you start getting into these Ones that the odds are pretty terrible at, I don't really look at that much. But it, ten dollars, somebody's got to win it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like,
2: you start doing, you start going, well, I'm going to put in for these five $10 hunts. Mm-hmm. Now you just spent $50 on top of your 30 And so, for me, man, for a lot of people, that's probably not a whole lot. And they they would take the chance. But for me, I've just, I got, I like things that have good odds. I'm not much of a gambler. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not putting in for too many of those, But man.
1: you say that. And you're right. You don't. And I don't either. But if you, somebody's got to win it, and you can't sure. win it if you don't play the game, you know. And uh, if you want to shoot a bighorn in Texas, you either need sixty thousand dollars to buy a landowner tag, or you got to be one Not of luck. the two guys <laughs> that that year that draws a bighorn tag. And I think there's two ways to do it in Texas. Uh, one is like with the the I don't know. I don't know there's either. Two different bighorn draws last year there was two guys that drew bighorn tags and they both mm. were successful that's another good thing about like some of those high end is yeah, like your success you, rates are close to 100 yeah if you can shoot you can kill something right um but uh they're all gonna be out west but either way <laughs> that um to an extent satisfies the complaint of yours in the past where texas has a pretty substan- substantial bighorn population and it's growing and they hadn't given a new an extra tag to the public in a long time and last year i think they did it yeah. went from one to two they
2: uh it's a it's a kind of a hush hush thing as to what they actually do with some of those tags but i know a lot of them go to landowners to yeah sell. talk and, about
1: that more i'm going to look up some of this stuff yeah, so, <laughs> i get to the, the yeah. magic of cellular uh, technology here um, I'm going to look i want up to a say bit.
2: there might have been more available to the public maybe i don't know this for sure maybe texas bighorn society would raffle one off too i'm not exactly sure Um, but in the past it's, it's definitely been easy to find one Texas bighorn draw and the other stuff would be something that you'd have to be a internet ninja to find, I guess. But, um, they give a lot of tags to the landowners in the areas. Uh, and those landowners get to sell for like 50 grand, 60 grand, whatever they might can sell it for. And that is just, not super fun for the guy who doesn't have much money or land, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, that's that's an unfortunate kind of uh, part of the whole, that society. When things get so outrageously expensive, you're going to deal with people who are rich and politicians and everything else yeah. <laughs> in government. So it's just like you don't have a whole lot of say in what, what goes on. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's uh, something, you know, that uh, is not one of my favorite things about Texas. But uh, unfortunately it's just a a reality and maybe one day i'll draw a bighorn sheep tag Mm -hmm. somewhere else maybe
1: okay so there's something that we didn't really differentiate between uh and i'm not gonna go super far into this but there is national refuge hunts which are different than the standard draw hunts or whatever and that's going to probably be a situation where texas parks and wildlife is working with the u.s fish and wildlife circus i mean service (laughs) uh service (laughs) sorry guys um and uh, mm. they're gonna work together, and <laughs> uh, that's something I learned in my old my old job. Yep. Um, <clears throat> work together, and uh, you know, get you. That's where you're gonna find like those February hunts and stuff too. But that's cool. But anyways, that's kind of a rundown with Texas hunt uh, draw hunts. Anything else that you think we should mention on that deal? Uh, hmm. A platform, guys. It's it's worth it. Yeah, give um, it. You shot. know, it's, it's fairly inexpensive, but don't go crazy. Don't don't. Uh... One of the things with Texas is you can't be like, all right, man, I'm gonna draw da 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 this year. However, yeah. it is fun to say I am going to draw the pronghorn hunt this year, you know, because it's just kind of a fun thing to tell people. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, some people will believe you, and some people know the truth. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> anyways, um, something that is not a draw hunt is, for us this year is going to be elk hunting. Yeah. We are going to do a little... Are you
2: wanting to go into Texas elk here, or <laughs> oh, what exactly wait. are you doing? wait, uh, hold
1: on. Tex- you talking about those invasives, those non-natives, <laughs> the, yeah, right?
2: No, uh... I, you know, we, we we have gotten a lot of questions about um, the Texas stuff, and we've gotten a lot of questions about fly fishing, and um, we pretty much. It's hard to answer questions about fly fishing sometimes because there's so much to it, but it doesn't have to be as crazy technical as a guy you know that works for Orvis would do, or whatever. Yeah. You know. yeah, so, exactly. Like, one of the You know, One of the questions we get a lot is like, how do I get started or what do I need? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we talk about fly fishing from time to time here. And the reason we're kind of getting into this is because for us, we're going to be carrying fly rods on the elk hunt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of just a natural thing for us to talk a little bit about fly fishing, especially since my buddy Wes uh, hit me up the other day uh the other night we talked for about two hours on the on the way home from this really extravagant wedding that I was a part of and um Wes was like man I just I don't really get it I hear you guys talking about it and I've got I'm I'm gonna buy some fly fishing stuff um for my elk hunt but I don't really get how it all works together yeah and I totally get that and I would say for me, the first thing that I did that helped me out big time was the Orvis Fly Fishing Guide. It's a nice little book. Man, it's a good book. Yeah. It teaches you about the mayfly cycle, uh, life cycle. It teaches you um, how to read water. It teaches you just every little thing, and, and it breaks it down on a really basic uh, level for you. Um, and Tom Rosenbauer wrote that um, he's a I, cool dude, I, man. Dead gummit. And I think I might have talked about this recently, but definitely suggest getting that book if you are interested in fly fishing. And we just wanted to go ahead and address this topic a little bit real quick here on the podcast so that people can.
1: It's kind um, of a listener Q and yeah. like A. It's almost like we're going to generalize a lot of the questions we get sure. and kind of cover some stuff.
2: So, like if you're if you're getting started in fly fishing, if you if you have yourself to now tell you as a newbie what to get and what to think about, where are you gonna start?
1: Let me tell you the mistake I made when I first got into fly fishing. Well um when I re-entered the world of fly fishing because I made different mistakes when I was younger. We'll get into those later. But um I re-entered the world of fly fishing about six years ago when I moved to the coast and decided I wanted to uh fly fish in the bays and stuff which was a great decision I got real caught up into the wanting my setup to look cool, which if you know me, I kind of like things to look neat. Mm-hmm. I like it. Like my, I have an AR that I built and I really like the way it looks. You know, I, I like my equipment. I'm not going to be a guy who posts a bunch of stuff about it or whatever, but just like my own personal gratification. I like my setup to be cool. She's just eating in the road the She's whole time. She's chilling in the shade. cool. Um, so... I purchased a pretty expensive reel, an Orvis Mirage. I bought it used, um, but it's still pretty pricey. I think I paid $300 for it or something like that. I don't really remember for sure. And I bought a TFO Axiom fly rod, which was about $200. So I had a pretty expensive fly fishing setup, um, and uh, it served me absolutely well. But I will tell you that that rod is perfect for fishing the texas coast that reel is probably too expensive um you can buy buy some less expensive varieties but if you're going to fish saltwater, you need a sealed drag reel so something that's not going to get gunked up in the salt and the sand so um that's just my mistake is i've spent more money on trying to look cool as opposed to making sure i could go and do more now It helped that I was on the coast, so I had the opportunity to go and do quite a bit because I was there. But really what it helped me more, spend less money on my reel and buy better kayak paddle because (laughs) I had a junky kayak paddle that really made it difficult to get a lot of places. So Mm -hmm. anyways, um, the overarching concept there is don't buy too cheap of something like a kayak paddle and don't buy too expensive of something like a really, really fancy uh rod and reel setup uh tyler is probably even better at this than i am uh you kind of go you go to cabela's or bass pro and get get your stuff right usually yeah yeah. um so you're
2: saying don't buy the shakespeare at walmart no okay Okay. let me tell you something (laughs)
1: something that drives me nuts more than anything is uh someone who has no clue about let's say fly fishing for instance um butch um and uh asks me my advice because they know that i'm not an expert in fly fishing by any means but i know the stuff somewhat done it it for quite a while and um have some experience and i can kind of convey what i've learned to you and i say don't go buy the cheapest thing you can you know it's worth going and spending 200 bucks on an outfit fly rod and and reel and then spending you know Buy good line because mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. You know, like if you have to spend a little less on your rod and reel to buy good line, um, and then they say, "Well, I went to academy and they didn't have one of them little twenty dollars setups. I just want to get one of them." And it's like, <laughs> mm, "Why'd yeah. you even ask me?" Yeah. Uh, but yeah, don't just don't even start out. If you start out with that Shakespeare green rod, mm-hmm. black reel combo, mm-hmm. unless you're a kid catching bluegill on it. You're gonna have terrible time. Yeah, it's not gonna
2: be fun. Not gonna be fun. It's. I think that kind of goes through and through with a lot of things, man. Like, I've, uh, you know, when I, my first electric electric guitar that I went and bought, I had one the buddy gave to me for a hundred bucks one time, and then the first one that I really bought and was like, I'm gonna spend some money. I spent quite a bit of money on it, mm-hmm. and I think that when you get something that is at least decent, you tend to have a more enjoyable user experience with that product
1: i'll tell you something else that comes out of that too is you if you spend 20 bucks on fly rod you might use it one time like eh, i wasn't really into that and you just throw it in the back corner that's of exactly your exactly right. of your garage if you spend 200 um at least me at least i'm you gonna, gonna try like, it again
2: i'm gonna try to make sure you <laughs> I, know that kind of stunk but yeah. i gotta try this again because i spent money that's exactly that's exactly right i had this I had a buddy tell me one time you know man go buy a nice acoustic guitar. You'll write more songs. Mm-hmm. You'll you will pick that sucker up. You'll be like, man, that thing looks awesome sitting over there in the corner of my room. I'm yeah. Go pick it up, and play it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that thing just, that rings true, man, with a lot of stuff. Um, granted, I'm hard headed enough that I can buy pretty much the cheapest outfit at Bass Pro and, you know, power through it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I fish a lot of small streams. So yeah. when you say buy a good line, you know, when I'm using a four weight and I'm casting 15 feet, mm-hmm. Kind of like you know, for me, if I don't have good line on there, I don't have it's not a big deal mm-hmm. but when I have my eight weight out and we're trying to fish, you know, on fork or something like that. Uh, there's going to be a difference in not yeah. having good line on there because you're trying to make 40, 50 yard or 50 feet cast, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like this is uh, this is difficult, yeah, you know, so it is, man. I agree with you. I, I am usually though of that mindset that if I'm going to go, um, um, I mean, like my gear gets used pretty hard usually mm-hmm. i mean you've seen my 6d my camera mm-hmm. it's been at the bottom of the black canyon and back you know same deal with like fly rods like i kind of don't want to have something that costs me a grand because then i have to take super good care of it yeah uh if it costs me a hundred bucks <laughs> which is then... funny
1: because my orvis reel is just sitting in a case in the bed of my truck and it's been there for two weeks <laughs> that expensive <laughs> yeah. one that i got yeah.
2: yeah so you know i just i'm like man i'd rather just like be able to throw it in my truck um, and spend more time with family or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you get off of water, and you got to spend 30 min- minutes taking care of all your stuff. It's like, gum it, man. Yeah,
1: that's true. But if you're fishing saltwater, you need to do that either way, well, right? yeah. whether you love your family or not. <laughs> you need to wash off <laughs> sure, your stuff. Sure, yeah, Yeah, there I are definitely cases. But, you know, yeah. for me,
2: like, I'm fishing freshwater, sh- small streams a mm-hmm. lot. And so, like, I'm going to go get something – I'm going to go get the cheapest four-weight from Cabela's that I can get, which is going to be about 99 bucks or yeah. Bass Pro. You keep
1: saying four-weight. Why is, Why do you choose four-weight? That's weight?
2: That's, um, that's where I started. Mm-hmm. And so and then, you know, it's always just kind of made sense to me, and I don't know that this is necessarily <clears> – <throat> this is going to be a very opinionated or personal experience, but, like, it's always made sense to me that you would have a four and then a six tends to be what a lot of people like for bass fishing. So a four, a six, an eight, ten-weight, kind of mm-hmm. like – You know, if you needed all those, I've never had a six. Um, I've always pretty much tried to run a four, and if I couldn't find a four and I needed a fly rod, I'll buy a five. You know, Mm -hmm. if I broke my last one or
1: whatever, but that's the most readily available rod, yeah, for uh, inshore fishing is a five way, a five or is inshore is not the right word, freshwater fishing,
2: gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah, I see a lot of five sixes. Um, four is a little bit harder to find, but the four. The four gives me a pretty good gap between four and eight weight. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that if I'm if an eight weight if I'm if if a fish is too small for my eight weight, then it's probably a pretty good fight on a four weight. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's I mean I can match it up perfectly with this six weight and be like, Oh yeah, this three pound bass is perfect for my six weight. Mm-hmm. Or I could just have a little bit better fight on a four weight or, you know, it'd be a little bit light on a eight weight. But honestly, even with that eight weight that I have, um, it's a cheaper eight weight, but like um, a three pound bass is still going to give you
1: a little bit. You See, know what I, mean? I don't look at it as in size of fish. I look at it with what I'm trying to cast, and that's how yeah. I choose my weights of, of rods and stuff. Yeah. Um, because you can land any fish on any rod. You know, it's just how it is. Maybe, maybe
0: if, you, I've if you've got a enough carp on
2: Coleman Lake for. Yeah. 45 minutes and then fought another one
1: for an hour before they both pulled off. It was like a skill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, just <kidding>. yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but, uh, it, you know, in theory, you can. Uh, because with fly fishing, it's it's not about how much drag you can lay to them or how much rod you got to, you know, put pressure against them. The line is doing a lot of the work in the water with resistance. Um, the reason that line weights are line weights is not, has nothing to do with like the size of the fish, really. It's, it's about it, you have a two-weight line on, like, a little bitty two-weight rod, and that is enough mass in that line to cast a certain weighted fly. Mm-hmm. So, like, not much over, like, a tiny nymph or a dry fly can you cast with one of those. Or, and even that at a um, yeah, big old bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to eat that bee balm right there. Um, trying So you can't even cast a very wind-resistant fly. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like... I like a six weight for Texas stuff, and I'm kind of a recent convert. I want to do the four, six, eight thing. Uh, It's going to take me a while to get there because I just don't have the money to buy another Mm. rod to get there, but I've got a six, and I like it because I can cast, you know, decent-sized streamers with it, like, um, you know, like Clousers and other stuff like that, even up to a smaller, articulated streamer with that six weight, and feel like it's not wearing me out to cast because if you get the situation and i we even do it on eight weights a lot with bass flies like you get to the point where you're really not fly fishing anymore you're kind of flinging a big old heavy fly out there Mm -hmm. and the thing's zipping by your ear and the line isn't making a loop anymore it's just kind of just flopping out there you know and that's 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 just the way of the world but like um that's how i choose you know my my rods and lines and i do like the full weight like you have too that's a great um stream rod whenever you're talking about you know dry flies or single nymphs and stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. but that six weight's real nice too when you start trying to do like the uh, bobber thing you know with nymphs underneath it or whatever because you can you can move that float pretty good with that six weight Mm -hmm. as opposed to like i've tried it on like a four and five weight sometimes you know and it's a little bit much Mm -hmm. trying to fling that thing out there
2: yeah the four the four's not going to give you i mean it's a it's a good trout rod it's a good uh you know small stream rod but um like you know I I, I I like i used my eight weight a couple years ago i got this video that i, I set the camera up and i had seen a i seen a, i had seen a basket i guess it was protecting a bed or something you know mm-hmm. um and i'd seen it kind of saw cruise by and i come back around um and had marked it you know or whatever with my just my eyes and so i just had a little bitty frog fly and i flung it up there on that eight weight and it's this is like a 16 inch fish so two mm-hmm. and a half pounds or whatever and i set the hook dude and the rod bowed up real hard and fought this fish and it was fun on mm-hmm. an eight weight so oh, yeah you know what i mean like it's it's uh but at the same time like i can cast i can cast pretty big lures with that eight weight so mm-hmm. you know the, the, the distance between a four and an eight is it's a pretty big rod distance you know when you look at them and that mm-hmm. kind of thing and, and the ability to throw a bigger fly but um it's still a fly rod so it it gives you a good you know yeah bend Blue in gill, the rod and Blue everything Bluegill you
1: know? are just not gonna be great on an eight weight but like yeah. you know my eight weight experience is in the salt water a lot and i've caught you know 10 inch sand trout they're fun yeah you know yeah if it's got a little tug to it and a little bit of mass or whatever it's it's a fun deal yeah, and i've fun. caught you know, like a 20 pound striper on that rod, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, and it's all fun. Oh
2: yeah, it is, man. Another thing I would kind of talk to a fly fishing newbie about is, um, you know, the size of the water, if you're going to go fishing and what you're after, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would just treat yourself a little bit like a kid and try to put yourself in front of fish that are going to bite first so you can learn. Yeah. And you know, this is, this is what I did when I first started fly fishing is, I I read the book uh, that I was talking about earlier and then I would go I lived in Dallas so it was about uh, from there it was about three hours to Broken Bow, Oklahoma and I would go up there and um, just that's where I cut my teeth was learning that river you know and I found me a good spot that looked like I could catch some fish and I just tried to put those tactics into play and there's a lot of times I'd go up there and I'd probably catch three or five in an afternoon you know long afternoon say lunch to dark and i'd be like man that was a that was some tough fishing mm-hmm. learned a lot but you know i still not having a mentor or something didn't really learn as much as i probably could have and then there'd be days when you know they were just biting and i'd catch 25 in, in an afternoon or whatever and it'd be so much fun and it would keep me going back you know uh of course then uh, the entire southern u.s moved to broken bow got cabins and stuff (laughs) yeah man but um you know it used to be pretty fun so like i would say like you know find you a a stream or whatever and try to just learn how to read water um you know the 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 thing is with tiny bugs is that they don't have enough power to just swim through the water and stuff a lot of times so you have to get a natural drift Mm -hmm. and you've got to really work at that sometimes um so and we're not going to go into all the techniques, but just know that if you go out and you're like, I'm going to go fly fishing this, this year, you know, on the way out elk hunting or whatever, don't just go to the Arkansas river and start trying to cast it out in the middle of that thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Cause you're going to have all kinds of currents going everywhere. Yeah. You know, find your pockets, learn how to roll cast, you know, learn how to high stick and, mm-hmm. and just fish pockets and try to land dry flies in shallow water and pockets where you think, you know, there's a deep hole behind a boulder and, you know, try to just pick fish apart. Do it more like hunting at first as opposed to just, you know, trying to be a river runs through it and cast a beautiful cast. Swim out to there. this rock in the middle. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just <laughs> get, get 50 feet of line out the end of your rod. That's right. Yeah, that's Well, that's another thing, too, if you want to really talk about, um, like, things you learn is that, uh, man, anytime you got more than about 25 foot out the end of your rod, you got too much line out there mm-hmm. unless you're, it's a cast. Yeah. Like, don't be out there – being uh vince vaughn and what was that movie yeah i don't know where he's doing the ribbon yeah no it was uh uh old school i think or something like that but um anyways you know fly fishing ain't about the cast the cast is the means to an end don't get out there and do 17 false casts like get as much line as you can out and make your cast to you know that you need to do that so like lines have shooting heads and then running lines and used to, that stuff tied together, and they are actually two different pieces. Well, now it's all one big thing. Um, but the pretty much if you want to boil it down to like something that's easy to understand over audio, the front of the line, the front like 15 to 25 feet, is going to be a fatter, heavier part of the line, and then it's going to neck down to a skinnier running line that's going to be 75 to 90 feet long or whatever, depending on what line you get. But any point in time that you get past that fat part, and get that running line out of the tip of your rod, your cast is going to pretty much go to crap. Mm. So, uh, you know, get your 25-foot out or whatever it is that you're shooting head or or however long that is, and just make your cast. Mm -hmm. And the way you get distance is not by getting more line out on your false cast. It's about velocity and then good form. I'm acting this stuff out right now, (laughs) of (laughs) course. You're shooting, you're not casting. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, the whole thing is not to be just having a whole bunch of line whipping around everywhere. That's how you get frustrated. <laughs> Y'all yeah, you know? guarantee you and it. And I say all that to say this, just start out with short casts. Yeah, just, exactly. Just make Smaller water, short casts. Cast. Yep. You know, um, they're going to tell you that you need a fancy long leader for trout, and yeah, sometimes about, you do. Yeah, talk about, since we're talking about line. talk about what a leader and a tip it is, real quick. Okay, so most leaders you're going to find nowadays are tapered leaders. I would very much advise you to buy nine-foot tapered leaders and – a good all-around one is going to be a 4X leader, which 4X, I can't really describe to you what that is, but it's pretty much like 5-pound line at the end of it. Um, and it's going to taper down from like a 40-pound line, smooth taper like they drew it out of a machine, down to the 5 and a half-pound line at the end of it. Um, and sometimes you might need to uh, add skinnier line, you know, lighter line on the end of that because you're fishing for a spooky fish or with tiny flies, Um But most of the time, that's going to catch most trout, especially if you're fishing with like a hopper or a nymph or something like that. The tippet is going to be the stuff that you tie to the end of that to either uh, make it smaller, make it longer, or replenish it. So after you've tied on 17 flies because you got caught in the bushes, like your line ends up being, your leader ends up being a little bit short. Before it starts to neck up too much to bigger line, you need to tie some tippet on there, which looks like little tiny rolls of fishing line, which is what it is. Uh, I just that. buy a four, four-pound test sometimes. You can do that. Yeah. Uh, the the four-pound test actually usually ends up being a little bit thicker than uh, like a four-pound tippet material is, but in a pinch I buy works.
2: fluorocarbon, so it's it's pretty thin. It's pretty yeah. translucent. But
1: with fluorocarbon, that'll sink dry flies because fluorocarbon sinks. Yeah, for sure. And uh, monofilament floats, <laughs> so keep that in mind, too. Uh, if you're a fancy fly fisherman, you'll have – a stack of fluorocarbon tippets and a stack of monofilament tippets because yeah. it depends on which one, whatever. Yeah. But I think, did that kind of... But you
2: also, you know, it also, you know, it's not going to sink your, your dry fly until it's a pretty long float sometimes. So, like, I'll fish fluorocarbon with a dry fly if I'm fishing fast water. Yeah. Or if I'm high-sticking. It's like, eh, whatever, you know?
1: I think... Uh... This is one of the times where personal preference is going to be a thing where we just agree to disagree. Mm. I really stay away from the fluorocarbon, but it's, you know, it's, it's,
2: it's it's really hard for fish to see. Yeah, it's
1: true. It very much is.
2: That's what I like about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, really, I just literally have a four pound test fluorocarbon
1: spool that I've been using for 10 years. The good thing about fluorocarbon is it doesn't go bad either. Right. You know, yeah. like monofilament, after about three years, it's going to start being pretty breaking down, you know, pretty brittle, pretty yeah. breakable. Yeah. Fluorocarbon, it's going to be here after we're gone. <laughs> yeah. So you got to keep that in mind, too. You know, we we don't want to get too green, new to deal or anything around here, but uh, that floor, if you throw the fluorocarbon line down, it's going to be there. Yeah. You know, yeah. it ain't deteriorating yeah. anytime so, soon.
2: There's a. Uh, there's really, fly fishing can be very technical. Um, there's a lot to it. There's and, a lot of people that are curious about the cast, like Casey said. And yeah. just just um, just go catch fish or it's
1: not going to be fun probably. You do you, run you know? into a lot of uh, personal preference stuff too. Mm. So like, like when Tyler and I are telling you the stuff about fluorocarbon, that's not, None of that is like um, the gospel truth, mm-hmm. right? That's just going to be stuff that's our personal preference, and you can take what you want to. The best thing to do is try it both out and see what you like, you know? Because mm-hmm. you're going to run into, and one of the things you run into too is guys who try to take their opinions and tell you it is the way, mm-hmm. right? And that's not really Keep the wet. case. Keep that's them wet. That's right, dude. Keep them wet <laughs> in the grease. It's <laughs> our favorite, favorite hashtag <laughs> out there. Keep them wet. Dude, uh, that might have discouraged us from posting fly fishing pictures this year because the yeah. two people are like, Oh, uh, nice fish, bro, but keep it wet. It's like, dude, this fish don't Do you even you see the here. water dripping off this
2: fish? <laughs> yeah, the thing is, you know, and I get where it comes from because we grew up on Fork, man, and how many dudes have pulled a four-pound slot fish out to take a picture of it, dropped it on the carpet of the boat, picked fl- it back up.
1: Yeah, first of all, they flung it in the boat. They, they flipped it in there and, yeah. and wiped all the slime off before they even touched the fish. Yeah, and
2: then, you know, picked it up. It flopped. It dropped in the boat. They picked it up again four and a half minutes later they're done taking pictures of it because it took them a while to get the camera out and it's like Mm -hmm. that fish is for sure a dead fish yeah that's not me i don't i'm not a keep them wet kind of guy but i give fish fresh water every 10 to 15 seconds yeah easy i mean i just do not keep fish out of the water long Mm -hmm. you know it's just a it's a matter of uh doing that it's not i don't think it um you know i don't think that keeping them underwater um the whole time is something that you have to do but like I definitely don't keep them out of water very long at all. You yeah. know, like keep them in the water till you take a picture of them. But anyway, people get a little bit. Uh, people can get pretty high and mighty about their fly fishing and their ex. You know, their the way they uh, handle things and the way they do things. I think because so, they
1: don't get to fish as much as they'd like. So
2: it's they, they right. got a
1: rage about something on, on the social. Yeah. yeah,
2: no, but it, it is. Uh, you know, we won't go too far. Down anymore this fly fishing road, but we wanted to help some of you guys out that have had some questions for us. If you do have any more questions, feel free to reach out to us. We'll try to help you. It's just a hard thing to explain. Like I said earlier, you got to get out there and just get experience, man. It's it's kind of like uh, you know map scouting can be hard um, too if you haven't done it a whole lot, mm-hmm. and then put the boots to the ground to see what you did, how you did, you know. And so like um, you know sometimes Casey's just going to be a better map scouter than you because he spent a lot of time map scouting and a lot of miles have been put on those shoes especially and (laughs) so you know he can he can tell you why this is going to work you know so Mm. um anyway the fly fishing stuff is something that we're going to be carrying with us and many of you are probably going to as well into the elk woods this year um so we're looking forward to the elk hunt this year we're going to be doing otc
1: because tyler didn't draw that's right <laughs> way to go tyler or counting on you we were but um, coronavirus showed up yeah not, a lot of people didn't draw like they thought they would yeah but we're gonna otc i've killed two otc bulls i've drawn one elk hunt and didn't kill an elk on that trip yep. so here you know maybe this is maybe it's back to your old stomping ground might be luck. it might be it man i don't know I, I think we'll especially since we're both gonna be tag holders there's a good chance that a elk dies um the funny thing about draw, st- or I'm sorry, success ratios is that they lie a whole lot because there's a whole lot of people who, um, not to be rude or anything, but you know, aren't going to kill elk before they ever even go. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's the way it is. If you yeah. spend most of your time at camp and you don't get up early and you just kind of wander through the woods, not thinking about what you're doing, you know, like that, that happens a whole lot mm. on all kinds of hunts, you know? So, um. Uh, for whatever it's worth, don't pay that much attention to those success ratios. If you get out there and work hard and do your research and make sure you're hunting good, like, you can definitely outdo what those ratios say. So, with that being said, the average in Colorado, I think, uh, for OTC elk success is like 15%. You got really? To a, yeah. That high? Yeah. I felt like it would be lower than that. Nah, it's, it's yeah, pretty, pretty maybe decent. 10 to 15, somewhere in there. Gotcha. Anyways, uh, you double that, you know, it's 30, then Give us a little bit of credit, you know. <laughs> we have fifty percent chance. Yeah, we got, we got a pretty good chance of something dying. And, and truth be told, um, maybe you're thinking about uh, uh, bull success as opposed to take. Mm-hmm. I think about take because I'm going to shoot cow if mm-hmm. I get a chance because uh, it's tasty. We need to eat, man. They're good. <laughs> They're real good. And boy, got to eat. Cows are a little bit lighter to pack out too. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know that from experience. I've never shot a cow. I almost shot one two years ago. Um, Blitch held you off. No, was not that, that not one. It? No, that, that was a different one. I almost shot a four-point whenever that happened. Um, <laughs> freaking Butch. He's getting raged on the podcast today. He it's is, good. man. Thank you go. But um, – Y'all need to go listen to that podcast if you haven't. That was a fun one. Casey's yeah, dad. dad. Uh, now, last year I had that cow come into calling, and uh, I drew, and I think she caught me at the end of my draw, and I just all I had was her neck. I didn't have um, shoulder. She was at, like, 35 yards. I was about to rip her down. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. That was two years ago, whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, that's what we're doing. I hope y'all are kind of excited to maybe pursue some Western hunts or something like that. It's a lot of fun. Don't go where we go, but go, um, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, we'll have a cameraman this year too, which is going to be a neat dynamic for Tyler and I, um, we might introduce you to that clown one of these days. We'll give we'll we'll yeah, see. Depends on <laughs> if he wants to quit being a clown. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. But uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to to get y'all some pretty good uh, video, so you can at least, if you're not going elk hunting, you'll get to experience what we do. A little vicarious the living. Yeah, that's right, dude. That's the only way to do it. And I think that's what uh, that's why social media is so powerful nowadays. It's all about vicarious living. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like a uh, whole time, I'm on social media. I'm scrolling and saying, yeah, man, that's cool. I'd like to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what mm-hmm. it's all about. Yep. And then other, other times you're like, man, I just wish I didn't follow you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the
2: whole time I'm on social media, I just am commenting negative comments on people's posts. Are you? Yeah. You... I didn't know that's what you did. Oh. I, I, I didn't know you could use social media for for positive good. things. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> we're, we're excited to do the, the elk hunting stuff, you know, um, but, um You know, right now it's just such a – it's like a. we've talked about it in the podcast previous uh, a couple years back. But this is the doldrums. This is the dog days of the heat of the summer in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think – what would you say is the best thing to do in late July
1: in uh, the south? Find some clear water and get in it, underneath it. But besides that, okay, so – uh, we're gonna do a little bit of hog hunting here, probably pretty soon, and it's gonna be somewhat of an equipment test, which is real nice because um, we're going elk hunting. We're not changing our equipment too much. I did put the old uh, single pin on my bow this year. We'll see how I like that. Uh, I liked it when I was practicing with it uh, in the spring, um, but Tyler and I are both still shooting day six arrows and broadheads. Uh, we love Brian, loves products, and. Uh, I am going to shoot a little bit different broadhead this year. Uh, I'm going to go down to the Evos, I think. I'm mm-hmm. probably going to have both in my quiver. But you shot the Evo X? I shot the Evo X last year, which yep. is a little bit wider. And um, truth be told, it, I don't think that um, my bow is a great... Um, it's not a very tunable bow. Mm-hmm. I can't ever get it tuned perfect. What bow is it? It's a Matthews Triax. Um So... Uh, it's it's okay, shoots fast it's light, eh, no, it's not, not light it's uh, it's okay on weight whatever, I, I like the bow okay um, but with all that being said the bigger your broadhead is the harder it is to hit where you're aiming and I like those Evo X's and if you're shooting like you know a stick and string bow or whatever or an older bow that doesn't shoot real fast at all and it's probably gonna work just fine. And honestly, I could hit with them pretty good last year too. But I got to thinking about it, and if I can go to a smaller broadhead, it just takes more of the hunter error out, which really is what that is. Is like um, on my bow, if the I just tweak the slightest anything I'm doing, you can see that mm-hmm. in, in arrows. And guys, I can Tyler can tell you, I yeah. can. I can put them in there at 70 yards when we are standing here in the driveway but hunting scenarios are a different deal, man. Oh, man. Like, 100%. I didn't hit my elk that I shot this year where I wanted to and ended up, you know, just lost that bull. He didn't die. Uh, you know, hit him high. Y'all have seen the video probably but, um, you know, that's it's a different deal hunting scenarios is the, is the point and I don't ever put on all my whitetail marshmallow man stuff to shoot in the yard uh-uh. because you can't, no. You sweat before, yeah. <laughs> sweat you're to have die. to wash it, yeah.
2: Exactly, because it's gonna smell so bad, yeah. you know.
1: So, uh, yeah. with that being said, I'm gonna try to take some of the hunter air, air out, and I'm gonna get, or uh, I'm getting some of those regular EVOS, which you shot last year, mm-hmm. and they did well for you. You freaking killed some stuff. They put some holes in the ground. That's you right. They I mean? <laughs> made it through both, and that's <laughs> the other good thing about shooting a little bit narrower broadhead is that penetration is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People talk about, oh, it's a good penetrating broadhead, da-da-da-da, three-and-a-half-inch cut. Look, listen, <laughs> pen- there's no magic to penetration. It is The wider the cut, the less it penetrates. That's the yeah. way it is. Now, there are a few little things here and there you can work on, and I get that, and don't tell me I'm an idiot, but for if you just want to break it down, the less cut you got, the more it's going through. Yeah. You know, we don't hit people with knives crossways. When you want to stab somebody, you <laughs> yeah, stab them with a right. pokey end, you know? Yeah. So that's uh, right. I actually never stabbed anybody, I promise, guys. But, but that would be if you had to. If you had to, yeah. you know, in self-defense. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean,
2: I shot three deer with that rig last year with those arrows and broadheads, and all three arrows were stuck in the ground on the other side. That's pretty cool, <laughs> so man. It is cool. It's a good feeling. Um, I'm actually, you know, not, not like – a penetration snob yeah. at all uh, but dude it's a good feeling when you kill a deer and the arrow's stuck on the other side
1: yeah that's when you know smoked smoked that's right as long as it smells good yeah Tyler <laughs> yeah, is sure. an arrow smeller I am a smeller <laughs> smeller of arrows <laughs> he likes to smell them arrows yeah
2: no it's uh, you know that's that's definitely something we're gonna be looking at so we're gonna be um, we've got a here on my property right now we've got a big boar hog that is coming in He was coming in a little more consistent the first few days. We had him coming into some soured corn that KC gave to me. Um, When I say sour, or Tyler says soured, we're talking about maggots. We're talking about... Nasty. Six months old soured. Yeah, and so I'm out of soured corn now. I've got a little bit of the regular stuff. I didn't really want to use on a hog, but this hog is not being consistent enough for us to get up in a tree in 97 degree heat and 100% humidity. And so... um, you know, hopefully we get a chance at this dude, but... We haven't had the wind for him yet, You either. know what's nuts is the deer have been smoking that sour corn. That's weird. That is very weird. Especially, look at
1: all the food out here I right know, now. Man. I don't know, man. Speaking of, oh, Adam Keith came down, and we're yeah. going to have some YouTube videos from uh-huh. that whole deal from Landon Legacy, and, you know, he told us, we kind of knew some stuff, but he helped confirm some things. There's a lot of food here. Yeah. Why for are sure. those deer eating that nasty corn? Man, I don't know. Is it the, are they eating the maggots out of it instead they Ooh, that protein
2: don't do that to me <laughs> <laughs> nasty they uh they there's no telling man maybe it's just a, a um, variance in diet they're looking for a little bit you know like they've yeah. got you've got a ton of ragweed uh, a few other grasses they may eat and then a bunch of partridge pea and then they've probably got goldenrod and stuff like that uh, none of which we've seen any browse on but there's a bunch of it so it's like you know what are 10 deer going to do? Are they going to deliver enough browse pressure that you're going to be able to really see it? But I really have not seen any browse pressure. So it's like, you know, kind of makes you think, and I don't know, maybe deer around here are just so conditioned to corn feeders (laughs) that like, you know, it's a deal that, uh, is generational now or whatever. So they just like corn, but Yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're hoping to do is shoot a hog maybe in this last little bit before, um, before elk season and it's a
1: great thing to do this time of year because what else are you going to hunt when you got the edge i mean we can let these chickens loose but they ain't going to be too hard (laughs) yeah Uh, i think a hawk would get to him before we could (laughs) that's right (laughs) but it'll be a good way to kind of uh you know if you are tinkering with some stuff and want to try some of that day six stuff or whatever like dude Ain't nothing better than a hog to try it on. And honestly, hogs are dense animals. They have thicker bones. So if you're a whitetail hunter and you're going to go elk hunting and you want to try something out and maybe look and see how your setup does comparatively, you know, you shoot a 200-pound boar hog, especially like mm-hmm. we're talking about something kind of similar in density to an elk. Mm-hmm. You know it's a different size critter, but big bones, you know, if it's got, got that shoulder shield that yeah. gristle plate on it, then, you know, it's going to be... Uh, a good test of your equipment for yeah. sure i mean i've shot plenty of hogs with expandables in the past and i was like wow that did not go in there very far
2: yeah you know yeah for so sure
1: it's uh it's a good thing to test out on and right now dude we're so stir crazy i know man golly
2: like this is the here's the here's the deal guy we're gonna be we're gonna be transparent with you guys <laughs> we struggled to to even have the inspiration to do this podcast today and i think it's turned out pretty good yeah but before this we were like man it's so hot. All we've been doing is working. All we've been doing is producing videos the last couple of weeks in inside. It's like, what are we going to talk about? that People are going to want to listen to, and so we luckily came up with some ideas. But uh, even up until this morning, we we're like, should we do this or should yeah. we just not? But I think it turned out all right, and hopefully, y'all can be the judge of that. You know, but um, I think that um, you know we are like you said, stir crazy, man. We need something to do, and it's getting to the point where like. We were wanting to go do some hill country fly fishing, and those rivers are going to get low probably, especially mm-hmm. if we don't get much rain, which it doesn't look like we're going to. Oh, no, and um, we're not going
1: to get a good wind for your pig for like the I next know.
2: 10 days. I know golly so it's it's tough it's a tough time of year for us i know our uh, northern brethren are fishing the driftless area and having a blast right now you know and (laughs) doing all that kind of thing um you know our western crowd is like oh it's hopper season finally you know and we're like no it's hopper season finally (laughs) yes
1: exactly eat all the leaves off my fig trees
2: yeah so um anyway it's it's a tough time of year for us but you know i would probably compare it for guys in michigan and montana and all that up there to mm, january you know like they can't really do much they can't go outside they can't do much then so in january for us you could get a 60 degree day and have the most beautiful weather Mm -hmm. wear a sweatshirt or a long sleeve or just t-shirt if you're working hard enough you know so um you know definitely a a trade-off and hopefully you know my plan (laughs) for my life uh you know, who knows how it's going to actually go is that I would have a summer house that this time of year I could go up and, uh, just, uh,
1: summer house,
2: just do the <laughs> summer cabin.
1: Yeah. When I
2: say summer house, it's going to be barely bigger <laughs> than that shop right there. You know, so yeah. eight by 12, but you know, something I can go up and stay, uh, for about a month in and, um, and find, you know, it may be an RV, who knows, but like something I can, go up to the mountains and fish for a month or two until elk season or whatever you mm-hmm. know because this this time of year just gets gets brutal around here you know people start crime rates go up kc gets mad at everything i do um it, it's just because of the heat you
1: know so, yeah we gotta get some relief yeah. september can't get here quick enough man that's right and you know what this is
2: frustrating me too on social media it's a cool thing people love to follow trends and do the same thing that everybody else is doing and everybody's like hunting season's almost here And i'm like you don't understand. It's not almost here. Like I mean, granted, we can tell ourselves and be positive that it is, but for three weeks people have been posting it's almost here. And I'm like, dude, it is almost hundred degrees is almost here is what's about to happen, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, man, this is this is not what everybody's trying to make it out to be. I appreciate what you guys are saying. And maybe it feels like fall up there in Wyoming, but anyway, things are different here. Um, like Casey said, we've got those land and legacy uh videos we did with adam keith on our two properties and we're going to just kind of introduce our properties uh to you guys so that it's not some foreign place that we're hunting all of a sudden uh, you know um that you've never been introduced to you get to see our properties a little bit um and and what's going on there and then hopefully you and i kill a deer off our properties this year Woo, that'd be nice you've got (laughs) you've got a um i think a deer that's going to show up because you've had him two years in a row right that eight
1: point are you talking about the curvy eight? Are you talking about? Oh, the, I was
2: talking about the other one.
1: <clears throat> yeah, the solid eight. Yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, we pretty much have confirmed pictures that, um, all intents and purposes, looks like him as like a three or four year old mm-hmm. two years ago. As soon as I bought my property, so yeah, dude. If we see him as a five year old, he's gonna be a nice, be a good nice deer. bug, dude. For yeah, sure. Long so. times. You know, like that's yeah. a that's a thing. Mass. That, yeah. Yeah. He's cause... not gonna be real wide. Whatever. Yeah. Smoky.
2: Dude, he's, he, I mean, he'll make good deer. If, yeah. uh And you had a you had an encounter with him this year
1: that you could have probably shot him. <sighs> well, he's 40 yards, so. Yeah. But he was real chill. Could yeah, have sure. shot at him. Shot at him. Who
2: knows how quickly he would have come out
1: of his yeah. skin. That was a weird deal, man. I've explained that on the podcast a couple times, I think. But I didn't realize it was that buck. I thought it was a different deer the whole time. And I kind of just got it in my head that that was what he was. And mm-hmm. that was it. And yeah. I wasn't shooting him. And then. Looked at the footage later and was like, damn it. We actually had a podcast with Mike Hunsucker like at 9 a.m. that day. That's right. (laughs) And uh, had to get down to the stand early, which didn't matter because the (sighs) uh, freaking dogs ran every deer out of the pasture. So,
2: Dude, those, I long for those days, man. The dog days of October. When you're just, it's cool (laughs) weather, you've been hunting and you got to go to a podcast and you got to go hunting that afternoon. That's nice, man. Man, that's Mm. a... That's a fun time of year for me. Well,
1: it's almost here, man. It is, it is almost <laughs> here. Just,
2: just several more hundred degree days, man. Right. Uh, anyway, we've uh, I'm gonna you know, since uh, I guess went in Rome or whatever you want to say about it, but uh, we are in the heat of the summer, so I'm gonna post a couple of more videos probably from my trip last year. Try to just go ahead and finish that out. I actually have some really cool footage. Uh, I didn't realize how much cool footage of me catching west slope cutthroats Ooh. in Idaho that I've been putting together, maybe so. So the lineup looks like uh, some of those those and Legacy uh, videos we did with Adam Keith uh, on our properties. Um, then we've got, and then we've also got the uh, trout videos that are going to be releasing, which uh, seems like a couple hundred people like. And, um, and then from there, it's pretty much, we're going to be buttoned right up against um, the Map Scout Challenge stuff. We've also got some really cool uh public land hotspot videos that are gonna be coming up too that i'm really excited about they're all produced and ready to rock and go out the door that's cool we just don't know exactly when they're going to release um but basically once august 4th hits and we start releasing map scout challenges for almost 10 weeks you're going to have two videos a week probably of public land map scouting type stuff and we're going to try to give you as much information as possible going into the fall so that you can Lay the crack down on something, man. You know, like crack the whip. You know, <laughs> lay
1: the crack. Make down. it happen.
2: Yeah. Uh, I just saw a dove and a, a little swallow flying together like they were best friends. Maybe they are <laughs> uh, Anyway, guys, we appreciate you listening, and hopefully we can uh, go out and do a little bit of like um, fun, fun <laughs> soon, so that we some can sort. tell you if we can tell you a little more about that fun. I did do some uh, flounder fishing. I don't know if I talked about that on the podcast. I did. So um,
1: we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that next time. More Texas stuff.
2: Maybe some more Texas stuff. Maybe some more hill country fly fishing. We'll see what we can do. Anyway, in the meantime, remember, this is your element.
1: Living it.
0: You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own well head over to land.com they've got ranches forests mountains streams you name it search by acreage you can search by location you can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of land.com it is where the adventure begins hey we're gonna take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries now if you're like me Enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with Interstate Batteries.